The opinions and views expressed in this video are purely for entertainment purposes and not for investment advice. Afternoon, goons. Welcome back to another episode of Jack of All Trades. Um, today's episode, we're going to start off a little bit with uh, trading and then move into mostly investing, um, just so you're you're aware. Um, but right now, let's go for trading, though. Okay, then I need your expertise. Um, <laughs> this happened. This was bothering me because it's you remember how we, I told you, like, I settled into this groove of just doing like swing trades. And it's more my thing. Yeah. Well, I did capitalize on this one trade. Like, I'll, I'll, if there's something short term, I'll still capitalize on it. And this is a Bitcoin bull. So for for those who don't know, Bitcoin bull is like a synthetic product where it's um three x. So whatever Bitcoin moves, if Bitcoin moves ten percent, this thing will move thirty percent. If Bitcoin drops ten percent, this thing will drop thirty percent. So it's like everything's multiplied. Um, so you could ideal. So it's kind of like leveraged. Um, you can ideally put less money in there and get higher returns. Um, so then I put a lowball order. I don't know if you guys can see the arrow here, but I put a lowball order over here on the. I don't know when I did that, but it hit on the twenty first. Uh, Bitcoin was selling off for about a week, and the lowball order hit. I remember it was like 50, 51, I think, fifty one hundred, and it started moving up in the consecutive. These are the daily candles. It started moving up in the consecutive days, and it started teetering around day three. And uh, I wrote on uh, Instagram that night, I'm like, maybe I should put in a stop because you know I never put stops. <laughs> so, so then I put one right where that line is. I put it at, at fifty six hundred. So then I would have had a ten percent return on this investment if I stopped out and I went to sleep sure enough, like 1 AM, 2 AM, it hit my stop and then it's been petering out and then it, it just moved back up. My question is, uh, because I'd never set stops. One, is that, is that a good place to set the stop? Cause I mean, I have my reasons of why I put it there, but I want to hear what, what your thoughts on. I mean, it depends what your risk is, right? Like for, for me, I would usually have like, I would have to stop almost ready to go before I even bought in. So like you had your low baller at 5,100, like might have my stop at like 4,800 or whatever it is. <laughs> like, but like my, my question would be like, if you look at, so if you look at that big candle that tanked like to the far left of your screen there, like it kind of, it kind of set a line almost at, what is that number? Like 7,100 area, like yeah, 66, 71, kind of like in that range, there's a bit of a line. Like, yeah, like right about there. Right, because you had your you had your big candle kind of wicked through there, and then it kind of bounced off that again before it rolled over when you bought in. So, like, I would have set some sell orders right there, and then what I would do at that point is basically set my stop at my entry price. So I would sell I would sell a piece into that very first line, and then that way, if I set my stop at my entry price, then I'm still out for a profit, or even just below your entry price, and then you can be out for break even. See, that's where I need to adjust because I'm still. I'm still doing the the one shot thing, mm -hmm. so so that was the level that it sold off at right there. I think on mine was like it was something stupid, like forty bucks above that. Yeah, see, it's tricky, right? Because like you're, it's you're you're never gonna make as like if you trade the way that I just described, you're never gonna make as much money in a single trade as you would if you were just like all in, all out. But in in the long game, it protects you a lot more, right? That's kind of like the way that I look at it is like, I, I, you know, when I first started, I was always like that. I was like, oh, I want the big move. I just want to capture the whole thing. But like after a while, it was like, there's just too many ups and downs, man. It's too emotional. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's just like, you know, I could make a couple bucks a day every day, or I could make, you know, a huge amount of money today and then lose a bit tomorrow and then maybe lose a bit more and then make a huge amount of money the next day. And like for me anyways, it's just like, I, I always, I just, I just love, I love trading for free. So if I can sell out just enough, 
that I know if it goes down, I can get over break even. See, that's what it's, so what I did was like I, I missed about like 40 bucks here. See that? I'm always at have have this debate with myself because I'm just more comfortable not sizing out, even though I know I should. Because mm-hmm. I actually thought that level was pretty that was that would have been like near my low ball order. So I think it would have it's kind of surprising it didn't hit. Um but but like so I, I obviously set another another order like just in anticipation of the sell off because oh, yeah. yeah I I can't I don't have time to do this twenty four hour bullshit so then I'm like let's just try to anticipate what's gonna happen and then obviously never this never bought in and never hit but yeah yeah it just depends on what your risk tolerance is right like I I, I just like to know that I can get out and make a little bit of money and lock some in because I I think it helps you too from like panicking out at the wrong moment like. Like, I'm not saying that you panicked out there, but like the fact that you set your stop there, like, you know, if it comes down and it gets close to that, you're going to get all frustrated because you're like, oh, I was up, you know, this much money and now I'm only up this much money. Whereas if you take a little bit off into the spike, then you can, you can be a little bit more comfortable with it. Like, I don't know what money, what kind of money you're making. Let's say it's just a hundred bucks, right? Like, let's say, let's say the high there from the bottom, you're up a hundred bucks and then it comes down and now you're only up like 30 bucks and it hits your stop. You're going like, fuck, man, I was up a hundred bucks. Now I'm only making 30 bucks. Whereas if you sold a piece into the top there, you could have locked in the 30 bucks and then let it come down. And then you can be more comfortable because you're saying, okay, I already have money in the bank. Like, let's just chill, let it do its thing. If it goes back down, I'll just sell for break even. If it goes back up, then I can make more, right? It's just like, it's, it's kind of like more of a mental game for me anyway. I just found that out my own my own game personally you know i think it's part of it was because of the size it, it was an 800 position i was kind of like pretty nonchalant about it mm. it was like because I, I also wanted to play the bull just to see what it's like so it's like yeah i bought it at for 800 i got out at 900 right. just over 10 percent. but um you know you know what though you just made me realize i think i will at least try to do two exits two exits one safety and the one like maybe whatever i would have normally said yeah it, do, it doesn't even have to be a lot too right like when i say like you know that first line like if you're going to sell a bit into that first line like sell like 20 percent of your position like 30 percent of your position like you're not taking off like 60 percent size like you're literally just it's just like it's almost just like a mental thing like you're just taking off taking off enough to be like okay i made money on the trade and then you can just chill and it's not going to stress you out anymore right like it's like you know i was talking to you guys in the group about gra like that swing trade i've been in for for like months and months now like i'm down you know, I started with like thousands and thousands of shares and now I've just been selling into all the pops all the way along, like from three bucks up to like seven bucks now. And I'm down to my last 500 shares. So like, I'm not, I'm not buying anymore at this point, but like, you know, I have like a, a, a $4 average. So the thing can literally drop like three bucks and I'll sell the 500 shares for break even. Like I wouldn't let it go that far anyways, but like I can just, I can sit on that thing for a year now and let it, like if it goes up to a hundred dollars a share, I'll just, I'll just let it go because i've already i've already locked in enough that i can just i can be totally relaxed in the trade you know start to see that new uh, strategy you're adopting make a lot lot of sense where it's like you're taking a, a larger position you're sizing out more often mm-hmm. yeah it's it's, it's a little like it's a little bit more stressful on the entry because like you said you're, you're taking a larger position at the get-go but like if you can if you can you know if you're confident enough in your systems and you can sell a, a little bit really quick then it's almost like you're getting you're you're immediately getting to where you want it to be. So it's like let's say you're going to buy ten thousand shares of something. Like okay, maybe you buy thirteen thousand shares, and then you know you sell three thousand of them for like you know a three percent move, and then now you've already locked in money. 
So you can put in a stop where you're at break even, which is at a good level, and you can let the original 10,000 shares that you wanted to have, now you're comfortable to just let that go. Whereas if you didn't have any money locked in, then if the 10,000 goes up and then it comes back down, now you're getting all stressed out, right? Like tra trading should be boring at the end of the day. Like that's the way I look at it. Like I, I want to be sitting there and looking at stuff and I want to be bored and just watch my bank account go up. Like I don't want to be sitting there stressing out and sweating and panicking all the time. Like, you know, you can't, you can't do that for the, for your whole life. You can't make a career out of doing that. Really? I thought you were into the adrenaline. Well, I mean, like adrenaline is a relative term, right? Like, I, mean, you know, I, you know, I race motocross my whole life and do extreme sports and all that kind of stuff, but. Yeah, it's just like, I just don't want to be stressed. Like, I want to be comfortable and be like, like, it's just because I, I like volatility, right? Like, I need stuff that's moving like 20, 30, 40% in a matter of a day or two. That's, that's like, that's what I mean by like high, you know, high adrenaline, I guess you could say. But I'm not playing as big, right? Like, you're, you know, if, you, if you're playing Bitcoin and you're trying to make like five, 6%, like you're playing with probably five times as I'm playing because my moves are bigger. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, my last Bitcoin order it was two orders split together total total hit was like just under nine thousand us that's yeah. like i don't i don't know how that's relative to you but that's like the size that i need to be at just to make it kind of worthwhile yeah depends on the price right like if you're playing if i'm playing a stock that's 10 or 15 bucks like you know my position size might be twenty thousand dollars but it depends on the range right like if it's only moving you know if it's moving like 50 cents and i have a twenty thousand dollar position like it's not it's not that much fluctuation in my dollar value but if it's like a three thousand or a three dollar stock, and it's and I put twenty thousand dollars into it. Like that's a that's way riskier. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right. Um. Yeah, I think I I'm gonna I I'm gonna make a note of this because I, I think I know know what I need to work on. But yeah, let's move on to the um. Because some interesting things happened on the investment side. Just Q three just ended, so a lot of the automakers' numbers came out, and um. So you saw those forecast plummets in the third quarter. Like, I don't know why this is a surprise to anybody, like, because all the EV bulls or the Tesla bulls are calling for this, like, months and months out. And then, like, you, you may have noticed, like, Ford, Volkswagen, a couple of those major automakers, Toyota, have been out there, like, beating the drum, saying, oh, we're going to go EV, we're, gonna, we're doing great. Like, they're trying to drum up the, um, the stock price, right? But then I, I knew that when the reality hits, I'm sorry, but you can't avoid it, but there's a, so there's a chip shortage happening. They're blaming that for the shortfall of their sales. But so third quarter, um, um, GM and Ford are down 30% each roughly in sales compared to last year. And that 30% is a lot when you're selling millions of volume. Yeah. Is that like overall or just their electric? No, that's at all, total sales. Wow. Yeah. They're going to drop like crazy, man. Like, I like. Like even like me and my wife were talking about that. Like, you know, she's got like a Mazda right now, but like, we're not gonna, like if the car just dies and explodes, like we might have to get something that we don't really want. But like, I'm not like any of the next vehicles I buy, I'm not even looking at gas. Like I haven't even entertained the idea. And I know a lot of people are in, kind of in the same boat. They're like, okay, like, you know, I have this car now, so I'm not rushing to get another, like an electric, <laughs> I said electric guitar, an electric car. <laughs> <laughs> at this moment but like when once i'm ready to get a new car like everybody's just looking electric yeah and, and that actually brings up the point i think that's i wrote like months ago that when whenever an industry is about to change it'll reach a, a pivotal point and then when you reach it it's like the change will happen instantly it'll be so it'll be shocking right but i think the last time we experienced this was 
the move from feature phones to smartphones. Like nobody remembers how long it took, but it wasn't long. Right. Yeah. It was like instantaneous. As soon as the iPhone came out, everyone was like, oh, this is better. <laughs> it didn't take long for people to switch. It's a price thing, right? Like as soon as, as soon as you start getting electric cars, I mean, even now, like, you know, you look at a Tesla, like a Tesla Model 3, and like, you know, I was doing some research the other day. Like they have they have like, you know, Kias and all these other kind of cars that are all in like they're all making electric cars that like they're, you know, they're pretty good little cars, depending on how far you have to drive and whatnot. But you know, they're all kind of in the same price point. Like you look at you look at like an SUV that's fully electric. I mean, you can get one for around forty thousand dollars, like in Canada here. So it's it's not too different from a from an SUV of the same size. Like the the price point might be, you know, thirty thousand dollars for a gas versus, you know, forty thousand dollars for electric. Like I remember some of them I was looking at, like the Kias in particular, just because I remember that one. It was like the gas Kia Soul, I think it was, was like twenty three thousand bucks. And then the hybrid one was like thirty two thousand bucks. And then the, the uh, electric one was like forty two thousand bucks. So it's like ten thousand bucks for each step, essentially, in that particular car. But I mean, another five years from now, I bet you any money that electric car is going to come down to the thirty thousand dollar range and the gas car is probably going to be around the same. It, like it might even go up just because there's less demand for those components. Like yeah. you don't know, right? You, you nailed it. Actually, that price is a perfect example. Um, the battery pack is about 30 to 33 percent of the total cost of the car. Sometimes it's even 40 percent if they don't get a good supplier. So if you look at the, the, the cost of the hybrid versus the gas, you literally just put in the battery pack and that's that's how you explain the price increase. It's, it almost fits perfectly. Yeah, yeah um, that makes sense. Then. And so so that's one of the great um, arguments that EV bulls have, like, it, you know, not an ideology thing about climate change. It's literally like what's going to win, what's going to make money, right? It's like gas is not going to get cheaper. Um, mm -hmm. And the components of making the cars, well, you're going to need roughly the same components to make an EV that you do a, a, an ICE vehicle, right? So, but the battery pack, that can get cheaper. That can get significantly cheaper. That's technology that can still advance. So then... Um, I think ARK Investment, they did a, a study uh, not too long ago, like within the last six to 18 months, um, saying that right now the cost of ownership between EVs and ICE vehicles over the life of the car is already um, either break even or cheaper from the EV side. It's just less mm -hmm. maintenance, things that you have to do. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's not really much to take care of. And the other really nice thing, too, is that like when, when you're talking about electricity, like, you know, I have heard some people say like, oh, well, you know, as soon as electric cars become the norm, they're just going to tax, tax electricity like crazy and it's going to be the same price as gas. Well, the nice thing about that from a consumer standpoint is you can just put some solar panels in. You, know, you can get like geothermal heating. You can literally, let's say the government makes electric cars, you know, kilometer for kilometer, the same price as it would cost to run a gas car. Just buy, you know, put a solar panel in. You charge your car off the sun and now you're literally driving for free. So yeah. you have that option. That and the, that's a really dumb argument to make because um, electricity is renewable. We, we, mm -hmm. we, we're making it even when we're not using it. You can't say yeah, the same for oil. You're usually making more than we use. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, and then going renewable and whatnot, this, it's just, it's a completely different um, dynamic. But uh, going to what you were saying earlier, like how the uh, traditional autos, their sales went down 30%. Guess who didn't go down? I just got, Tesla just released their, um, their, um, this this press release, like I think Saturday morning, and they made a total of production was two hundred thirty seven thousand units, sales was two hundred forty one thousand. So they had, they had at any given time they have about twenty thousand units just kind of in transit or 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 available for sale. 
So that's mm-hmm. why sales deliveries are above uh, productions. But this is the biggest quarter by far ever. The last quarter record was 180,000 units. So they about went up about 20%, I'd say. So they're pretty much on track to almost sell like a million in a year, essentially, like in the next 12 months. Yeah, uh, yeah, actually, um, they, they, they guided for about 750 to 850 this year. And, but then this was last year. Last year was the first year they hit 500,000 units. And the, what Elon was saying was that in the next few years, expect us to grow 50% a year. <laughs> he told people this was going to happen and people still doubted him. Like, I don't understand. Like, but yeah, but like, it makes sense. I mean, like, it's just, it's one of those things that's basically inevitable, right? Like, there's no point in, there's no point in trying to avoid it. Like, it's, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of like, how soon is it like really affordable for like the average Joe kind of thing, right? Like, how soon can you go out and buy a brand new Tesla for the same price that you could get, like, you know, a, a new Honda Civic? Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be sooner than people think. I, I have a suspicion. So there's there's a lot of talk about a twenty five thousand dollar. I think that's like the magic number, twenty five thousand dollar EV. Yeah. And um, and Tesla, I think they've already designed it, and the only thing they're waiting on is the battery pack because they can't use the current battery packs to to make that profitable. But whenever the new battery packs come out, there that car will be will, will be launched, and that'll mm-hmm. be like the nail in the coffin of any automaker not selling EVs. Are they expecting that to have, like, what kind of range are they expecting on that one? It's going to be less. So um, in terms of miles, it's probably going to be 200. So okay. I don't know, it's like 400, you know, maybe 380 kilometers, something like that. Okay. Yeah, that's still pretty far. Like, I mean, I'm like, I'm like 90 kilometers from my work and <laughs> it's still, still going to be back and forth for two days. Yeah, it won't be handicapped, but, um, but that car is going to be mainly for uh the the asian market and the european market they like smaller and they don't need less because like travel is like a north american thing we travel long distances because we have so much space but when you're looking at the old countries different story it's the cities too right like most of your market's probably in the cities but like that's the tricky part though is that when you i I almost wonder i don't know there's probably a study somewhere but i'd be kind of curious to see like what the what the difference in um like emissions is versus like in a city Versus like, a, you know, like a huge rural population, because like we're everybody who lives in the country, like we're driving a lot further. Right. Like I just said, I mean, you know, I'm driving like, you know, 90 kilometers to work. Like if if I lived in the city, I might be driving 10. Right. So like in a week, I'm doing what someone in, in the city might be doing in like three, four months as far as kilometers go. Feel like- but it's, a, it's a population density yeah. thing too. Right. But I know but I know like when I'm on my way in in the morning, like, there's a lot of people that are going in like they're all we're all going to the city. <laughs> Oh, I, I put it this way. It's like, so let's say um, you have to drive four times the distance if you live out, out of the city. Mm-hmm. So maybe your daily commute for you is like 15 kilometers in the city. It's 60 kilometers if you, if you live out, outside, right? Um, but the city probably has 10 times the density of a rural area. So then that four is offset by the 10. That's, that's mm-hmm. my guess. I, I'm, I'm going to, yeah. Because yeah. I, remember, I remember when COVID first hit, and they showed those satellite images of China, and they they, they had these shutdowns, and then they, they they showed before and after pockets of pollution just went just disappeared. Yeah, <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I like, yeah. I th- I think yeah. So the cities are clearly where the problem areas are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. They're gonna have to like it'll have to be long range though still for like people, especially the trucks. I think those will be the big ones. Like any of the pickup trucks that they're coming out with, those are the ones where like 
they're going to have to, I think, make sure that they go like at least the same, if not further than the cars, because, and like, you know, I don't, shouldn't say anybody, but like most people who drive pickup trucks, like you're, you're towing more stuff. You're put, like, you're putting weight in it, which uses more power. You're usually like driving further. I mean, like literally every single one of my neighbors has a pickup truck. Like everybody in the country has one. So the, like, those are the ones that are going to have to be able to go really far to be useful, especially guys. Like I'm thinking like, you know, contractors and stuff yeah. too. Like, people that are driving like people that drive all day in their pickup truck like for work and stuff like you're gonna have to have these things going minimum like 500 kilometers if you want to be able to get a full day out of them yeah i'll give for credit though the um the f-150 that the designs come out i guess next year they, they put that in mind um i think they put 500 mile range on the on the top end one i think it's like really? 800 800 km. yeah so it's 800 kilometers wow. or something like that that's in the, the lightning uh the lightning yeah oh wow. yeah oh, so pretty good so apparently like they threw everything in the kitchen sink at that thing. Like they doubled the battery pack size. They want it so that if your power, if your house has a, has a power out, you could use the truck to power your house, like your appliances yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, um, that's super cool. It's damn cool. Like so, so I give them a lot of credit for designing that thing. And you're right. Like trucks are like the predominant sales in North America. So if if they yeah. get trucks right, I mean, it's it's gonna be amazing. Yeah. Well, like it's like that's what I was just thinking again with contractors and stuff like that. Like you know, like you have these companies where they're buying like fleets of like, you know, 20, 40, 50 pickup trucks, like every three years. Right. So like, that's, that's a huge chunk. And every single one of those trucks is literally on the road all day long for work. So if the, if they could nail those down, that would be a huge impact. And then the next step behind that would be machines like, you know, excavators and skid steers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so like, I don't understand why, investing in evs is so hard because it's one it's like it, to me it's like a brain dead investment mm -hmm. if you know an industry is going to shift in a certain direction why aren't you or you know have some exposure of your portfolio in it right um what do you think might be a, like a hold up well i was just going to kind of ask you you know we got another 10 minutes here i was going to ask you about uh xpeng because i know you saw on your instagram post you said that they're coming out with like a twenty five thousand dollar car and you're saying that they only they're only selling in china though so my question to you is, you know, are you like, what, what are your thoughts on investing like big money, whatever big money is to the individual in Chinese stocks? Like what, like, cause to me personally, it just makes me a little bit nervous. Like after seeing what happened with Alibaba, like after seeing what happened with, you know, Jack Ma and like even Trump, like at one point he was saying that, you know, he's not doing stuff with China and he's going to like not allow people to invest in Chinese stocks or let them be listed on the New York stock exchange. Um, like just stuff like that. Like if, you know, if you're going to put like a hundred thousand dollars into something, like, you know, what are your thoughts? So this is my wheelhouse. Cause even, <laughs> even though I trade, like I, I, I am very selective with my picks. I, I think I very much think like a macro investor. So like a Ray Dalio, um, where they, they actually trade on global economic conditions. So I just take that framework and I just apply it to specific stocks. And it's helped really well because so for for your concern about X Bank, the actually the 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 reason so the, your fears about the Chinese government messing with the stock, the opposite of that, the inverse of that is why I'm in in the stock because in the same way that they if if a if a company falls out of favor with the Chinese government they'll punish them, but on the flip side if a company has their favor they're going to go out of their way to support them so they call them uh, national champions, so during the internet boom twenty years ago there's a bunch of there's a bunch of companies that came out government through ridiculous amounts of money it was like hundreds and or maybe even thousands of internet companies they didn't know who's going to win but they just gave them all money and they said go do this 
be our version of Google, be our version of whatever, right? And then when, when the champions emerged, Tencent, Alibaba, they supported them even more. They blocked out Googles, they, they use regulations, they helped them out and they helped them grow, right? Mm -hmm. So their mandate for China, for China to go EV is 2035. So no oil cars, fuel cars at all. At all. So that's soon. And that's, I think, part of the reason why they invited Tesla to, to be um, in, in there, because Tesla's the only foreign owned company ever that's allowed to own a factory in China, 100% uh, foreign uh, owned. And I think mm -hmm. the reason they did that was because they're so desperate to go EV without Tesla, they couldn't reach their goal. And so this is one example where I think if you understand where the government's mindset is and you just align your goals with theirs, then you're going to actually take advantage of their kind of their 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 overbearing power, I guess, you know, yeah. they have the market. So my guess is that they're going to pick a champion or a few champions for the EV space. So that got me excited because I'm like, okay. Who's it going to be? Because this person's going to just walk on water as <laughs> soon as they get picked, right? Yeah. So my investment, so I'll, I, I put my my investment framework, uh, uh, applied it to Neo, XPeng, the Auto, BYD, all of them. XPeng came out the winner, and it was clearly the winner because they sell a cheaper product, and I and I say this all the time. They sell a product about eighty percent as good as Tesla's for like sixty percent of the price. The value proposition is clear, right? Whereas Neil sells a great product, but they're trying to fight Tesla. They've you know eighty ninety thousand dollar cars in the Chinese market of all places, right? Whereas Xpeng is doing twenty five thousand dollars. So they're they're and and their other thing they're doing smart is they have no intention of going into the North American market. Um, so that's gonna that's really gonna help you uh, in terms of your overhead costs. So they're gonna have a lot of runway uh, to go to just to focus right. So they're gonna do Asia and they're gonna do a little bit of Europe. And so their business plan, their business model, their products, everything just looked right to me. Hmm. <laughs> I, I like this. I like this. It's working. I know. Yeah, yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. Like, especially considering getting support for someone like Tesla did, for sure, because they want to. They probably want to try and keep as much of that in house as they can. Yeah, absolutely. And then this one, this was was the one you were talking about. I saw this post, I think yesterday too, or Friday. When I saw this, I was like, "Holy shit, shots fired!" Mm -hmm. Because it's been known in the industry for a while among like the experts and the analysts that when, if and when an EV comes out uh, in the twenty five thousand dollar range, that's not crippled. That's actually useful, you know, comparable to like a Civic or something. That's the that's the kill shot for a fuel. Yeah, especially, especially in like in China here, because you're not like. For the most part, people aren't driving that far, right? Like China is so densely populated, like in the cities and stuff like that. Like they could probably even come out with like a like a twenty thousand dollar car, like an eighteen thousand dollar car that has like you know a hundred mile range, and that would pr still probably get a lot of people to work for like three or four days. You're a freaking genius because somebody did that. Oh, the really? tops, yeah, the top selling EV in China is not Tesla. In a, in a distant first, actually, it's a I think it's an eight thousand dollar EV, but really. <laughs> But really, it's like a moped with thin walls. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it's like a three-wheeled uh, trike with thin walls, and it's got like a hundred-kilometer range. Oh my god! But it's about eight, eight grand. It's about you know hundred kilometers. Like why the hell not? Right? Can you imagine driving that around here. Like imagine you went down to Toronto in a fucking three-wheeler go kart. <laughs> Dude, we're gonna run them off the road. Like this is North oh America. God. Get passed by a transport truck, it would just blow you into the ditch. How how do you how do you even do the winters? Like 
Oh, you wouldn't. There's no way. Yeah. I can even see like a big gust of wind, like, you know, shaking them. <laughs> <laughs> well, these are making them though. That's good. Yeah. But yeah, like, I don't know if, um, if, uh, before we wrap up, if there's anything else I can answer to you about that, but like, but like, that's why, like, I'm in the EV space because it's like, so that those are, those hit my core requirements to, for investing, which is, I always want to invest in a company that's in a growing industry. So whether or not the company is the top of their food chain in that industry, as long as the industry is growing, you know, rising tide floats all boats, that guy's going to be a winner of some level. Yeah. Right. So, so there's some safety in there. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing is like, it's good to get a, back a company whose government or governments have policies supporting their business or business model. So renewables, ESG, whatnot, these days. Um, yeah. So these are all like good tailwinds. So, you know, actually, uh, Tesla and XPeng are my two largest holdings combined. They're probably 94% of everything I, I own. Really? So, yeah. 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 No, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense, though. I mean, like you said, it's, it's the Chinese government, as long as you're on the same side as them and you can kind of roll with that, then you're pretty much safe. So just as long as they don't change their mind. <laughs> oh, oh, they'll change their mind. The question is, you got to kind of just keep your ear to the ground. Get ready to sell when they change their mind. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. All right. Um, I'm liking how this new format's working. So um, if anybody wants to give us some messages and uh, give feedback and let us know how it's going, um, appreciate it. Cool. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Later.